2: Hello and welcome to another live edition of the ONG Strike Zone. Brian Fulford, Kelvin Rosier, Kofi Hemingway, brothers. How are you doing?
3: Doing great, Brian. Hey. How are you?
2: Man, I'm doing well. Hey, to great, rest of-
1: it's great to be with my brothers, you know, and, and Rally Nation. Glad to be here, man. Excited. All
2: right. Good, good to hear, man. We we've got a lot of uh, a lot of positive news, a lot of good things happening. So this is a a jam-packed show. This uh, two hours will not go by fast enough. Hopefully we get everything in that we have sort of pre-planned and been thinking about. So uh, we want to thank you. If you're out there watching us right now, if you tuned in, you're watching us on Facebook and YouTube, go ahead and start it off right by go ahead and uh, subscribe to the uh, Jericho Broadcast Network's YouTube page, or if you're watching us on the ONG Facebook page or on uh, the Black College Sports Network, wherever you're watching us, make sure that you are tuned in with the uh, with the likes and the subscriptions so that anytime we drop a new show or get ready to roll out a new show, uh, you are well prepared. ONG Strike Zone, the show that is dedicated to covering the news and culture around Florida A&M University athletics right here on the Black College Sports Network. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at O-N-G, Strike Zone, and go download that Jericho Broadcast Networks app on your Google or Apple Play Store. My JBM, my BCSN is how you can find us. Well, fellas, Fanmuse becoming a basketball school. Don't tell anybody. They they thought we was coming into SWAG just as a football school, volleyball school, baseball school. Don't tell anybody. We a basketball school, too. We got basketball going on, fellas. Uh, this past Monday, a couple days ago, uh, we we uh, we welcomed Grambling into that once again. Grambling just nola over oh over for over oh for, oh for this year in Tallahassee oh, uh, with no with no wins in the uh, in the beautiful state of Florida. Um. Actually, they did get a win uh, at, at our rival, but that, that kind of stuff happens over there. But they came to Tallahassee on Monday, and our Lady Rattlers picked up their second win of the season to move to 2-1 and one in the SWAC with an 84-78 win over Grambling. And then the men got their first uh, conference win of the year with a with a nice win over Uh, Grambling as well, final score 75-66. to So, uh, now, unfortunately, both teams faced Southern on Saturday. We lost both of those games, but I would tend to think, or I'll say this, I think Southern might be one of the cream of the crops in the slack for not only their men and women's program. Uh, If I'm not mistaken, I think both schools are in the top five of the BCSN Basketball rankings. So Southern University is right now uh, showing to be one of the elite teams or top teams so far in the early part of the season. So uh, we can we can start going through that. Let's just let's just go with the with the with the good news, the wins. We'll start with the wins over Grambling. Uh, Calvin, you were in the house, or at least I know you were in the house for uh, the Saturday game uh, against Southern and uh, these uh, Monday games were were streamed on Facebook all the games were streamed on Facebook I believe and so you know that's a uh, congrats to uh, FAMU Athletics for getting that done and making that happen um, I saw a lot of good comments from a lot of folks I was man- managing to watch some of those games so let's just run around the horn Kelvin what's your takeaway on, uh, on, on the uh, FAMU women or men uh, against Grambling or just this weekend?
1: I'm going to comment on both men and women. And um, what I'll say is, we're still a work in progress. We've been impacted by some injuries, um, by some COVID situations, protocol. So over the last three to four weeks, we really haven't had our complete team together. Actually, I was able to catch some of the basketball coaches show the first one aired tonight from the Hyatt house uh, at seven o'clock and I was able to catch coach pillow um, on the first 30 minutes and um, she made reference as well as some of our players uh, we've essentially had about eight players we've been playing with over the last couple of weeks and the cavalry is coming Uh, We anticipate to have the rest of the roster available um, very soon. I'm not sure if it's this weekend or uh, next week, but uh, we will have um, some some more players. So we have some depth. Um, We have a little more size. The good news on the women's side is that we've developed some scores. Um, We have a duo um, right now, and one um, being Dylan, was the uh, player of the week, and um, I think she went for about 30 (laughs) against uh, one of our opponents this weekend, and she averaged, I believe, 28 uh, for the week and was the SWAT player of the week. And then on the men's side, MJ uh, Randolph, he's averaging 20 a game, and um, he was the SWAC uh, men's uh, player of the week, so uh we do have some scores on both teams uh both teams got conference wins in the men case uh the gremlin game was our first uh division one win because the first couple of wins were against uh division two opponents um we're still shorthanded we still had some starters out that game as well as uh some 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 leading depth we jumped out 16 points uh in the second half and 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 kind of had to hold on and and luckily made enough free throws and plays down the stretch. They actually ground the came back to tie with in the last five or four minutes, but we was able to pull away. And in the southern game, um we we're right there at halftime, which actually right there uh in the uh in the second half, but that last ten minutes we had one of those cold spells and turnover spells and and um they pulled away uh but the first 30 minutes of that game was very competitive, back and forth, actually. So, uh, with a full roster, I, I believe we'll have an opportunity at the end of the tournament time. We'll we'll be fine. Um, and that's on the men and women's side. The women are actually 2-on-1 right now. And right. they, uh, I think, are in fourth place currently uh, on the women's side in, in, in the swag. So, uh, overall, so – Given what we've had to go through and the challenges, you know, we actually missed, the men's missed two weeks uh, because of all the things that were going on with the program, they had like three or four games canceled. For us to be positioned where we are right now, I'm very excited to see these next two two, two to three weeks Uh, that'll tell me, uh, you know, how seriously we'll be able to compete in the conference. And looking across the conference landscape, it's doable. I mean, you look on the women's side, there's nobody pulling away. I know other programs are dealing with COVID protocol issues and players missing also, but right now, the conference seems to be wide open. Uh, Southern early looks like the, uh, the class of the, uh, on both sides. But like I say, our men and women's team were very competitive in that game um, with what they had. So, well, we'll see how it goes.
3: What's your What's your take of what we're seeing thus far, Kofi? Well, I mean, uh, Kelvin pretty much like hit it on the head. We haven't peaked yet at all. Um, but the good thing in particular, I've been speaking to the fact that the women's team had been improving um, tremendously since the first game. Um, They've had tremendous competition. They've had to um, work with the lineup, work with different things. You know, you got a new coach, new system. And I'm believing that this women's team is going to be dangerous come tournament time. And I think the men's team is going to be dangerous come tournament time as well. Um, You know, obviously, you know, you could talk about the COVID thing. You could not talk about it, but everybody's having to deal with it. So sooner or later, I mean, the the science is the science, the, the, the COVID is COVID, so you got to come away, you got to find a way to pretty much like maneuver around it. I think the guys and the ladies are finding their footing, and uh, confidence is really a big thing, especially when you come into, you're talking about your shooters. Um, the continuity of the lineup will be strengthened as the season goes, but you know, in Rattler Nation, you know, all we care about is the W. And uh, I can just tell you, you know, pretty much as an athlete, uh, confidence, especially for the shooters, goes a long way. When you hit that slump and you're not mi- you're not making your three point shots, uh, it can mess with your mind a little bit. But they're starting to connect, so all we need is a nice little run. I think the Gramlin win was definitely a good one. I heard that Thick Thirty Six was back in the stands. So, you know, <laughs> she she was behind that grandma bitch and letting them have it a little bit. So Thick 36 with the Hennessy and everything, she was on point. Thank you, Thick 36, for doing your job. As normal, we need you to travel on the road with these here rattlers and make it happen. Thick 36. Thick 36 need our own section, man, and I think we'll be good. But seriously, um, fundamental basketball, and I personally would like to see our men's team press a little bit more. Um, hmm. for so we can get some more turnovers, um, you know, use that athleticism, use that quickness that we have to apply additional pressure and get more possessions uh with especially when we're at home, because I think it'll really make a difference.
2: You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna, you know, as I as I kind of look at the the statistics here a little bit from that game the other night. Look, um, you know, we all look. One of the one of the biggest glaring problems that the women are dealing with, and, and Coach Pillow even addressed it. She's well aware of It's the turnovers and the turnovers per game. Okay. Now, you know, right now, just overall within the conference, uh, we are. I don't know if you want to say you want to. You you never want to lead in this category, but we are leading the conference in in turnover margin uh worst it worst in the conference okay but with that said you know that's your glaring mistake or that's your if you can cut the turnovers in half or just by a fourth you know like right now our turnovers per game or turnover margin is minus 9 if we can get it back to where hey guess what Texas Southern Prairie View two teams that we highly regard uh as two very good women's programs uh, they're, they're right there above us, uh, minus five and a half minus three and a half. So the turnovers per game, that's a fit. That's fixable. That's one of those fixable things. What I will say, you know, I'll object to anybody that'll say that they don't see fundamentals or they don't see this Rattler women's basketball team making strides. This team is going to be okay. You cannot judge. I, there's that word. I'm saying it. You can't put coach pillow in a box and say hey coach when you when your whole team didn't play a year ago we expect you to take this whole new team and be ready to ball out the fact that we're sitting it's impossible the fact that we're two and one right now speaks to volumes for where this team is right now and anybody who's watched this team over the last three three conference games you have probably seen an improvement in this team you know, there's a team that battled back in the fourth quarter against Bethune Cookman. Again, I say they played probably one of the better teams in the SWAT in Southern. Uh now, granted, we haven't looked, there's a there's tiers to this SWAT women's thing, right? I think you got one tier that includes uh um Jackson State. Uh, hold on, I got the I got the standings pulled up right here because I think there's tiers to this thing. You got Southern who's unbeaten, Jackson State, Alabama State. Really, and, and a lot of people didn't see Southern coming. So, really, a lot of people's eyes were focused on Jackson State and Alabama State. Guess who's sitting right there after those two, t- after those three schools? Fam you. Now, we go on the road. We got to play Arkansas Pine Bluff, a team that a lot of people are high on, right? But we're sitting right there in the mix with Arkansas Pine Bluff, Prairie View, Alabama A&M, Texas Southern, teams that no one really thought we'd be competitive with. So, our real test is coming up this weekend. But – you you you're not going to be able to tell me that Coach Pillow, who she's raised by raised by a legendary legendary coach in um uh oh that summit out, Tennessee that summit thank you raised by Pat Summit cut her she it, go look at her coaching resume she's been in the right places she's she's been uh, on the staff with some good people I I think she knows what she's doing you just got to give her time to get the right people. She's she brought in a couple of players who can play, who can shoot the ball, as we see with Dylan Horton, who uh, Horton now, a two-time SWAC offensive player of the week or player of the week is how it's listed. And, I mean, I mean shoot, she shot – well, I, I think as I just read the numbers here, she uh, – uh, in terms of statistics, Horton, back-to-back career nights, right? 25 versus Southern, then drops 32 – versus uh grambling seven rebounds three and a half assists two steals per game over the weekend right now she's averaging 28 and a half points per game um and i i think like you said kelvin as we get healthier that's where it's going to happen for this team uh a- as we go forward um looking over at the men's side kofi let me come over to you as you look at the men what's the ceiling for the men? What do you think the ceiling for the men is? Are, are, are we are we at it? We've seen MJ Randolph starting to separate himself uh, as a three-time SWAC player. Hell, there's only been seven weeks, maybe eight in the conference. He's already won three of those awards. He's already a candidate for player of the year, in my opinion. What's the ceiling? What's the floor for FAMU men's basketball?
3: Well, obviously, um, the floor is the bottom of the conference because uh, you got to make your shots. I mean, you got to come. The good thing about the SWAC is <clears throat> just like with any of our sports, you have to come ready to play every single game. There are no off weeks. Um, and even if it was, you still want to be in a position where you can um, build momentum. Uh, for your next game. You know, uh, there are no um, – none of those little small victories. Let me say that. So I think the ceiling is definitely a championship. I'm fully expecting this team to go deep in the tournament and win it. Um, that's the name of the game. This team is in position. It's not a young team. It's not a, a weak team with no firepower. It's not like they're dealing with a new coach and a new system. Um, These guys have been in it for a minute. And so, really, the ceiling is championship, you know, and went around in the Dern tournament, the NCAA tournament. That's that's the ceiling. Um, And uh, I want to see, you know, I keep putting this plug in uh, because I really don't know exactly what it is. But, you know, football – FAMU is definitely a football school, hands down, okay? We are a football school. That being said, when I was there in the 90s, when I was attending FAMU in the 90s, we were also a very good basketball school, and our basketball games were packed all the time. And a lot of the stuff that you would hear at the football games was birthed at Jake Gates the Gym, you know, Mm -hmm. from the Oh My Lord and the you know, hey, let's go chance that have now become legendary, they were birthed during basketball season. You know, Good point. So, Good point. It's, so it's time for the students are on point. Okay, let me just say that. The students for the most part are on point with their attendance to the games. That being said, it's time for us to either change up the strategy with getting the Tallahassee community involved with our basketball uh, culture, and it's time for us to take it seriously. And that's one of the reasons why I believe we've been in, a, a, I want to say, a pool of mediocrity for so long is because we haven't embraced the fact that, yes, we are a basketball school. We are we are supposed to win championships. A championship is a championship. The, and we want to win golf. We want to win tennis. We want to win track. We want to win softball. We want to win every sport that we're competing in, but especially basketball because it is a revenue sport. So it's an opportunity to see considerable gains uh, financially uh, if we just get behind the program.
2: Hey, Kelvin, talk about that, what you see from the attendance. We had just under 700 for the women's game, just under 1,700 for the men's. Now, I'm just looking at the stats from Grambling. As I'm looking here, I don't see the stats from Southern. But what what's your what's your take on wh- where we need to be? Where does Rattler Nation need to be for these basketball
1: teams in this program right now? So uh, we're coming back from break, and students, you know, are still getting settled in, whether it be classes or dorms or rooms and so forth the the hundred was not in the building um for uh either game i don't think uh and um and um as far as uh support s- saturday you know uh they trickled in for, for the women's game um and you know lawson is a big venue so it's uh it's, it's hard to have that environment that We used to that you know, like you said in Gaither. Um, you, as you know, when we were in school, uh, if you didn't make it to the gym, Gaither gym, by halftime of the women's game, you weren't getting in. I mean, it was yep. just impossible. That's how popular it was. Um, that being said, um, I think that as uh, we have more home games, I think we got a big recruiting weekend coming up in in, 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 in about a, two weeks, I believe. Um, when we have a home series, the 21st, I know that uh, football has a big recruiting weekend. Uh, I know that the, the band will be back, the belt band will be back, uh, part of the program. And now um, we've got some W's on our belt. And it, and I believe that, you know, that, that matters, um, gets people interested. Um, and so hopefully we'll get a couple more W's this weekend. And as we get bodies back, uh, the style of play would be, be a little better. I, I have to be honest. Um, it, at times, both men and women, it's kind of tough to watch because, you know, we, we go through periods uh, where we struggle to score and turn the ball over and, you know, like I'm like saying, both teams playing shorthanded. So, you know, it's not beautiful basketball all the time. It's, you know uh, uh, You know, we do a lot of half-court sets. And um, you know we don't get easy basket transition basket. We don't do a lot of pressing and so forth. So uh, I, I think all the style of play and everything will add a little more excitement to it or consistency. Um, but um, in terms of attendance, it, it's been it's been okay, but it needs to be better. COVID sounding sounding alarm, I think it's the right thing to do. But we we have to show up. We have to support these teams and um, and. They they're improving, getting better, and so do we as fans. We need to improve and get better. Yeah, definitely.
2: We need we need to see more folks in the stands. Um, you know, again, I I think you know I I don't know what the um what the attendance numbers are like, uh, or or I mean the advertising is like up there in that area, but it it definitely needs to be littered. Folks need to know that there are games coming. want to make sure you guys, uh, there you can see again, uh, how many times, you know, normally, uh, I know last year there was a school from, from Jackson, Mississippi, that was taking home some uh, consecutive weekends, men and women's sweeps. But this year, uh, it's the Rattlers getting the first one of the year, I believe. As you saw, MJ Randolph, the, the men's player of the week, Dylan Horton, the women's player of the week. Um, Absolutely ridiculous numbers by MJ over the past couple weeks. Um, Scoring 30 points versus Southern, 24 versus Grambling. Excuse me. He was 21 of 27 from the field combined. I don't think those were all layups. I don't think they were all layups. Shooting 78%, that's absolutely ridiculous. 21 of 27. Uh, averaging, so that's an average of 27.6.5 rebounds, two assists per game. Third time he's been the SWAC player of the week. And I think it might be the second in the past three weeks that he's been the SWAC men's player of the week. And of course, Dylan Horton, who we talked about a little bit earlier. Congratulations, Dylan. Congratulations, MJ. Um, you you give us you give us something to be proud of and something to really, hey, look. This team will continue to get better. Well they will continue to get better? Uh, I think we have good coaching, and uh, you just got to get the right pieces. You got to get the right recruiting, and I I think both teams. I you know I'm maybe not as optimistic as you, Kofi, uh, with my ceiling, but I I think being near the top four for both teams is very possible. I see. I definitely see both teams having an opportunity to make it into the SWAC tournament because they only take the top eight. So I think with that said, I think that is the floor for me. And then, uh, you know, we'll just kind of play it out and see what happens from there. Okay, when we come back in the next segment, we're going to pay tribute to a fallen Rattler, a legend uh, in the, not only just uh, in the world of track and field, but just in Tallahassee on the campus of Florida A&M. Of course, uh, Rattler Nation. Coach Bobby Lane passed away uh, just the past this past week. Florida A&M University Hall of Famer, and so coming up on the other side of the break, we're going to talk with another Hall of Fame legend, Alvin Hollins, and we're going to celebrate the life of Coach Bobby Lane. Kind of hear some stories and some uh, some recollections that Coach uh, that Alvin Hollins has about Coach. Uh, I think we were all on campus. I don't know, Calvin, Kobe, Did either of you have classes with Coach Lang? I did not.
3: I did.
1: I got a lot to okay. say.
2: Okay, so that's good. <laughs> How about you, Calvin? <laughs> sports
1: program, summer sports, youth sports, sports program. I was part of that, but not a not a uh, college class on campus.
2: All right. So coming up on the next break, we got Alvin Hollins to join us, and we're gonna celebrate Coach Bobby Lang in the next segment. So. Hang in there. You're watching the ONG Strike Zone. We'll be back right after these words.
1: Let's get back to strolling instead of scrolling. Before we can safely come together, we need the facts on COVID-19 vaccines. Visit GetVaccineAnswers.org so you can make an informed decision for yourself and for your fam. Nope. Nope. Come on, him.
3: Ooh, I like him.
1: No! Quick,
2: the quicker picker-upper. Bounty picks up messes quicker, and each sheet is two times more absorbent, so you can use less. He's an eight.
3: He's a nine. Bounty,
1: the quicker picker-upper.
2: This is the BCSN pod zone, your place for the news, views, and conversations about all things related to HBCU athletics. Here, the BCSN sports rap, Dr. Cavill's inside the HBCU sports lab, Knights of the Roundtable, the pregame show, the Carlos Brown show, the ONG, Strike Zone, and more in one place. We are changing the way You consume HBCU Sports one broadcast at a time. Support the Black College Sports Network so we can continue to provide you coverage. Go to myjbn.com slash support and be a part of the Black College Sports
1: Network.
2: Welcome back to the ONG Strike Zone. Brian Fulford, Kelvin Rozier, Kofi Hemingway joining us as FamU Hall of Famer, Alvin Hollins. Alvin, good to see you. Nice to nice uh nice growth there on the face. How you doing, Alvin? Good to see
0: you. Fine. And thanks, you know, thanks for the beard. Thanks for the compliment. And it's good to be with you guys again.
2: Yeah, we, uh, we wanted to get Alvin in here. Uh, we, we could not do this show without, uh, taking a moment, of course, as we're here at this segment to, uh, celebrate the, uh, life of, uh, coach Bobby Lang, uh, who passed away, uh, just this past, uh, weekend, I believe it was, or, uh, and, uh, so we could um, could go go tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. We could go tomorrow. And, um, uh, I, I'm going to read a little bit. Uh, of course, of all of us, we were, we were, we were there. You worked, uh, intimately with coach, uh, many times, I'm sure. So we'll get into some of those things. Uh, Kofi, uh, had classes with him. I had very minute interactions with him. I know Kelvin had some interactions with him, but I'm going to read just a little bit from, uh, Vaughn Wilson did a great write up. For HBCU Game Day, of course, Vaughn, uh, a, a Rattler himself, I'm sure had plenty of interactions with Coach uh, Lang. And I'm just going to read a paragraph from his article on HBCU Game Day. If you didn't get a chance, go go check that out. Uh, coach Lang credited with winning 38 championships as a track and field coach in the SIC and the Eastern Athletic Conference. Uh Reading from Vaughn's article, today we honor the legacy of one of the greatest and most accomplished coaches in FAMU history, Bobby Lang, passed away in his home uh, January 6th in Tallahassee. Lang was an offensive tackle for legendary coach Jake Gaither from 53 to 56 after being recruited out of Jacksonville, Florida. He earned his bachelor's and master's degree at FAMU in physical education and recreation. He began coaching at FAMU High School after playing for the Rattlers and was brought in on Gaither's football staff at FAMU in 1966. Upon taking offensive line position, Coach Lang also became the head tracking field coach. Um, Among his players on offensive line was Henry Lawrence, or Henry Killer Lawrence, who went on to get drafted and play for John Madden in the Oakland Raiders, winning the Super Bowl in 77. Uh, Of course, he had an All-American 4x400 relay team, an All-American women's relay team uh, that included teammates, Pamela Porter, Vogel Noosa, Mary Jones, and of course, Pam Oliver, who uh, you can see on the sidelines with Fox. Um, And and then of course there was a a famed men's four by 100 team that won the pin relays three times. There's a lot of accolades. There's a lot of stuff here with coach Lang. I I encourage you to go read it, but uh, Alvin, let's just kind of go around the horn here. Uh, What are some uh, of what's what's the fondest memory uh, when, when when we hear the name coach Bobby Lang, how should Rattlers remember coach Lang? Well, he was a guy who knew
0: how to get the best out of his athletes. He cared very deeply for his athletes too. It wasn't just, you know, trying to get the most out of them on the track, you know, being a teacher, You know, being a professor of assistant professor of physical education, you know, it's kind of holistic uh, approach he took. You know, he was concerned about the academics, concerned about, you know, their life. And he and he treated everyone, including me in that in that vein, in terms of being, um, you know, being concerned about the whole person, you know, not just one aspect. Because I think that that was how he was raised, you know, when, when you think about Coach Gaither and some of the other coaches of that era that he he came up under, you know, and you also understand that HBCUs during, I mean, he, he was a, 1953 to 56 were the years that he was an athlete and a student at FAMU, undergrad anyway, and those were the years when, you know, segregation was, you know, deeply ingrained in the South. So HBCUs uh, really became a second home for a lot of students. And, uh, and I think they learned how to take, you know, the teachers, coaches, administrators, they learned how to take care of those students, you know, look out for them as, a s surrogate parents, if you will. So that, as that was probably the thing that carried over the most, and why he's so beloved by you know by people who work with him, and for and by his athletes, you know, because of the fact that it, that it was it was the excellence with caring that Dr. Humphreys uh, coined. That was a phrase he coined when he was president. But that excellence with caring was something that was part of the FAMU. Lore long before Dr. Humphreys came along.
3: Kofi. Oh man. I mean both of my parents taught at FamU, so uh coming into contact with Bobby Lang, uh was well, I, I first, I want to say, interacted with him as a youth because I was a part of the National Youth Sports Program um, when I was about nine. And this is a funny story. Coach Lang has a big, booming voice. And if you ever heard right. him talk, <laughs> it you know, when he get halfway, he's not even upset. But just the fact that he's opening up his mouth and he had spoke with such authority that it automatically brought everybody basically to attention. So if he said for you to do X, Y, and Z, he was, I would liken him to like a James Evans type personality. Um it was not out of the realm of possibility for him to jack you up, for uh, you know, for him to pull. That whole uh, that track baton that you supposed to be handing off to everybody and stuff, but you'd get whacked on the tush if you were out of order. So back in the day, the NYSP used to meet at the family high gym. Okay, so I want to say about two days before, Coach Lang, <laughs> Coach Lang had told us, like, "Look, I don't want y'all going down." to that corner store down there over there off Adams who was where Miller's Hairworks was where we had, you know, you could go and get nine ladies, which we used to call line ladies and stuff back in the day. So I want y'all going down to that corner store. Y'all need to be in this gym by 11 o'clock. And if I see you down in that store, I'm going to beat you behind. So it was like, okay. All right. But of course, being young people with nothing else to do, parents drop you off early, try to find something to do. Like, dang, I want some dine ladies. I want some dirt. Let me get me a bar. Let me get some cheese doodles, some wise cheese doodles. Everybody all up in the stove. Man, that little Dotson pulled up in there. <laughs> Coach Lane got out of the car, and look, his was running left, right, man. I ducked behind the Coke machine. I was just like, man, look, he was jacking people up. And he was like, look, I told you all. But from that day forward, nobody ever went back to that dirt store again because Coach Lane, um, you know, just really followed it up. But let me just say this he was such a father figure to so many exactly. youth around tallahassee because of nysp you know it was nothing for him to pull out his wallet and you know help a a single mom out to help uh, a young kid catch a bus ride home you know to do xyz he went above and beyond to express love and he was one of those guys that was straight up tell you the truth you know um But when it comes to coaching, I mean, this guy won championship after championship after championship, Um, you know, you don't do that. And, and, you know, just even when he transitioned to Coach Hubbard's staff, you know, to get us that 1970, he was a major part of that program and that legacy. And, you know, when Coach Hubbard made the decision to go in another direction, everybody was kind of like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Cause uh the program went in another direction after, you know, Mungin and Lang kinda left. So I'm gonna just leave it at that. But coach Coach Lang was absolute uh absolutely a man's man. I can tell you, you know, just the conversations that he and Coach Mungin used to have on the second floor <laughs> of the Jake the <laughs> of the uh Jake Gaither gym were absolutely legendary and you would just have to be there to know what I'm talking about. Sounds like Alvin, you might have been there for a few
2: of those. Um, talk a little bit about the the championships when you get a chance, if you would. Go ahead, Alvin. Well, the thing. Well, one one thing we have to remember about uh, that that uh,
0: you, you you remember the old black exploitation movie with uh, Jim Kelly, uh, who uh, Fred Williamson and Jim Brown. That's what I like in uh, Pop Kittle's, Mungin, and Lang, you know that three the hard way. That's what I called them because those guys <laughs> they were all from Jacks. They were all from Jacksonville. They played. I think they pretty much played. If they didn't play at the same time, they put, played right around the same time in the fifties. Then you know they were they were turned to become coaches, you know, at FAMU as well as teachers. So, you know, they were as they would say, thick as thieves, but the championships, I think it was a pedigree that was already instilled in them from having played for Coach Gaither, and having played under that, you know, that mantle of FAMU, which, you know, they started winning championships in 1938, so by the time they came along, you know, it was expected, almost like Alabama is now. In fact, they, his for four years at FAMU, 53 to 56, he was teammates with the great Willie Gallimore and Al Frazier. And if you know anything about Rattler football, those are arguably two of the greatest running backs or maybe the greatest running backs ever to put on the orange and green. They still have records in the books right now, you know, but like during that time, I think they wanted, they combined to win a national championship in football in 1954, you know, and they played for the championship as seniors in 1956, lost to Tennessee State. I think it was 41-38, 30 41 41-39, you know, fumble in the red zone, cost FAMU another national championship. That's just how, that's that bitter rivalry between FAMU and Tennessee State. But when it came to track, now, when he was appointed track coach in nineteen sixty-six, he had never coached. He'd never been a. he never coached track, so he makes the, you know. He always tells the story how he had to go get books and really learn the different phases of you know track and field. You know, obviously, obviously he got help from you know other coaches, but um, in that first group in the sixth early sixties, you talk about that. Um, 4 by 1 it was a four it was a it was a 4 by 1 relay team for the men that uh, retired the Patterson Cup in uh at the at the Penn Relays. They won that 4 by 1 event 3 years in a row. So when they were headed into the in 1968 was it was the 3rd year. So as they were ready to yeah, that's them right there. So as they were ready to heading up head up to philadelphia the governor of florida was so sure they were going to win he shipped he shipped a couple of crates of oranges to their hotel (laughs) and he said when you when you guys win we want you to throw those things into the stands and let people know where y'all are from from florida and of course they did win and they had fun throwing those oranges but you know but fam you uh, and that was been really the beginning of his track championship legacy. And by the time um, you got to the 70s, of course, he just missed Bob Hayes because Bob Hayes was gold medalist in '64. So, but he did produce a world-class sprinter in Ray Robinson. A lot of people forget about Robinson. Uh, he was on the 19, 19, he tied the world record in 100 meters. He was, he made the 1972 U.S. Olympic team. But unfortunately for Ray, um, there was some kind of a mix up in the heats, heat schedule, and he never got to run his race. So that yeah. was one of those, what you call uh, a dream deferred. Because he had tied the world record in the hundred, you know, he got there just in time to see his race start, so wow. he never got the opportunity. But he was one of the you know fastest people on the planet. And of course, he he returned for a few years to coach uh, the program after Coach Lang retired in 1999, and he he had a pretty good run of championships, indoor and outdoor. And cross country as well, so that legacy continued. You know, after Lang left, he handed the baton to Ray Robinson. But uh, Pam Oliver, you mentioned her in her group uh, in the early nineteen eighties. You know, they made they made all American. They were in, uh, the AIAW nationals then. It wasn't the NCAA didn't have women's sports until later in the nineteen eighties. But uh, And he was instrumental in bringing uh, women's track to the forefront at FAMU because, you know, for many years, you know, because of, you know, different laws and whatnot, you didn't have a consistency in high school for women's sports. So once Title IX kicked in in the late 70s, you know, it became... uh, it, you know, it became easier to recruit, you know, top female athletes. So he he used his magic as well with them, and you know, being a father figure, especially to young ladies away from home, you know, that makes that makes a big difference, you know. And he was able to get, you know, the most out of his charges, as they say. But and of course the NYSP. You know, was another claim to fame for him, and uh, the success that he had both in the SIAC and the MEAC. Uh, he was inducted into the Family Sports Hall of Fame in the in the early 80s. The MEAC, MEAC Hall of Fame and the SIAC Hall of Fame inducted him as track coaches in the 90s, and then the Florida the Florida Track Hall of Fame inducted him. In the late nineties, and only about three or four years ago, he was inducted by the uh, U.S. Track and Field Association and the coaches in their coaches Hall of Fame. So hmm. he was a highly decorated coach, and during the time that he, during the time that he coached, uh, which is you know from the late, mid to late sixties, all the way through the 90s you know he put famu on par with florida state florida and miami those were the four those were the four schools that had track programs at least outstanding track programs at that time so the schools got together famu relays was the first uh, outdoor event in the state followed by florida then florida state and then finally Miami. And that continued for a long time because being in Florida, you know, the Snowbirds, those are the teams that came from up north that were you know, trying to get outside for spring break. And for many years, the FAMU Relays had to be one of the largest track events in the Southeast. I mean, at one point, probably in the eighties, there may have been like 50 or 60 high school teams and almost that many college teams, and and they were able to run that event, hard to believe, they were able to run that event before sundown, one day, and you ran all your major events and got, got it in before sundown, but that was a testament to his efe- effectiveness as a leader, planning, and efficiency. So um, he was able to get major sponsors, I think, most of us remember F.W. Woolworth uh, was a major sponsor of the Relays for many years. Aubrey Lewis, who was a Notre Dame graduate, and I think his two of his sons uh, played played sports. His oldest son, John, was a baseball pitcher. But either way, uh, uh, those years saw that, that event Become one of the signature events of the year, and it just brought brought more attention positively to FAMU, and that was what Coach Lang wanted to do. He loved Florida A and M, and he'd always tease me about, "Man, you need to go somewhere and make you some money. You're too good to be here." But <laughs> I, but I didn't leave. So after a while, he said, "Well, I guess you I guess you won't." Guess you won't leave, huh? You guess you just love FamU too much.
3: I said, Well, I see. So it just you one know of one of those Yeah, I was gonna yeah. say, you know, just in regards to the whole national youth sports program, it wasn't just, you know, it was a national program. A lot of HBCUs hosted uh national youth sports program, but the Fam National Youth Sports Program was number one. Um, for years under the leadership of Coach Lang. So, you know, not only was he a championship uh, track coach, a championship football coach, but, you know, but just being able to assemble a staff and a group of people together to come together uh, in the summertime and put on a a world-class, because, I mean, we were on campus. Those kids are on campus from basically about 10 a.m. to about 6 p.m., and they got meals and everything. It was just quality all the way around. I'll never forget, you know, this fried chicken Wednesdays at Family Hopper. That's another story. But, you know, Coach Lang <laughs> <laughs> really did uh, a bang-up job in making sure that, you know, the people that served with him served under him, the people that he coached, got all that he had, everything that he had. And uh, you could see that just in any amount, any amount of communication – it was a big deal to him.
2: Well, it's, Kelvin, again, uh, like, go ahead, Alvin. Go ahead.
0: Well, what I, was about, what I was about to say was that you know that 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 capacity that he had to be able to marshal resources, be able to get people to work with him, that had as much to do, you know, with his personality. He could build consensus. There were many people that thought he would have been a he would have made a great athletic director. You know, because he had that ability, you know, to interact with all kinds of people, you know, and get them to work, you know, in concert, you know, with the program. And uh, one thing I did want to mention before we continue, when Henry Lawrence was drafted by the Raiders, you know, uh, John Madden saw him at the Senior Bowl and he said, who is this guy blocking two tall Jones? And it was Henry Lawrence. So, he credited his coaches at FAMU with preparing him for the NFL because he he did get drafted in the first round, and he said it was the coaches. And you know, I can remember many times speaking to Coach Lang about you know the techniques that he taught coaching the offensive line, and uh, you know for Coach Gaither and several other coaches, including a couple of early years under Rudy Hubbard. So. I think he was, a, and I think as he transitioned from the offense to defense during the Hubbard years, he he was a he played defensive end, and he was a tight end uh, offensively because in his days, in the fifties, you had to you know you had to play both ways. Single platoon is what they used to call it. So you had an offensive position and a defensive position.
2: So. Hey, Calvin, jump in there. Uh, we're we're getting tight on this segment, but I, I definitely want to make sure you get in there with some
1: thoughts. Yeah, ain't, ain't too much chicken and meat left on the bones now. Kofi and uh, Calvin, <coughs> they done pretty much took care of Thanksgiving. But uh, what, what I will say is that I had the opportunity to participate in both of his signature programs um, as a kid growing up here in Tallahassee. Uh, I went to the National Youth Sports Program every summer for about five years, and so um, that's where I learned to swim. Um, that's where I started paying attention to track, and that's where I also met many lifelong friends, or kept many friends, to include Kofi. Um, so that that was the impact of the national youth sports program when it comes to the um track the you know the family relays um when i was growing up we had a spring sports carnival on campus. oh County. yeah i and remember we, that and that's where we had all spring sports almost planned on the same day on a saturday so yeah tennis going yeah baseball going yeah softball going you had a, the, the, the big event. It was like a, a, a spring homecoming, but the big, big event was, of course, the family relays. And the reason why the family relays was such a big event, uh, Kofi and Alvin kind of alluded to it. Uh, Coach Lane was so well-respected, re- and he had such a far reach that people would travel, fly in, come just to volunteer to work the family you real age. So you had <laughs> greats and celebrities and coaches and, and, and all kinds of VIPs and former Rattlers and every sport, all volunteering their time and, and efforts uh, to staff that event. Cause as Alvin said, it was such a big event, such so well attended. And he mentioned that it was a high school division and a uh, collegiate division with some people running unattached where I I was able to participate as a high schooler, um, for two years, my junior and senior year. Um, one of my most embarrassing moments on the track happened (laughs) on that Uh track, which I won't discuss Uh those who know, know, Uh and those who don't know, won't know, (laughs) 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 but, uh, but I was able to participate in a part of that program. I also was able to work um the the the, the uh family relays for many years um and assist in, in some of the setup and and um support services for that event. But the thing that sticks out to me the most about the track Family Relays, which was the first spring outdoor major track event. In all of college, in, in NCAA, as as Alvin said, everybody came. Again, a, t- a testament to Coach Lane. So all the great track programs. I, I can remember, you know, in in high school and middle school, seeing Clemson and Florida State and 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 like say University of Miami and teams. Not just from the south though, uh, teams from all over. The best track athletes um, coming to uh, FAMU. To uh, participate in this this major track meet, it, it, it was must see. I, I remember watching uh, Dion and Sammy Smith and that mm-hmm. and that that relay team go against Howie Huckabee and FAMU a relay team, and they neck and neck and and, and um and same thing uh, at a high school level. You had high schools, all the all the major schools from the bottom with their uh, stellar track programs. Uh, all the way up the East Coast, um, um, like at uh, you know you you would have at a high school division, 30, 30 40 teams sometimes. So, so it, it was just a major event, an amazing event. And again, um, you know folks won't show up and support something like that at the level that it was unless you know uh, you have a legend leading it. So, that's Coach Lane.
2: Hey, Alvin, got about a minute left. Uh, it, it, you know, maybe if you can kind of, you know, kind of tough to summarize, but maybe any lasting thoughts about that, FAMU relays, and whether if that's the lasting of, of all the legacies that Coach Lane uh, leaves. Uh, maybe talk a little bit about that, or, or if you want to go in another direction. I, I know it's hard to kind of, hey, summarize this, but uh, we've got about a minute left. So I give it over to you.
0: Well, Coach
2: Lang, um, you know, you,
0: I think we've all touched on the National Youth Sports Program, The, you know, that, the fact that he was a member of that Gaither's last few years. I guess if there was a, what was it, the, the documentary they had on uh, uh, Michael Jordan, The Last Dance, and that was, he was part of that last dance, those last three or four years that Gaither coached. And of course he was part of the championships with uh, Rudy Hubbard and then a win over Miami. And then of course the track, track, he's known for the track. But in fact, we talked about that one time. He said, you know, people think about me as a track coach. They don't realize I coached football. And he had some great stories about Jake as well. So um, he was really, he epitomized FAMU in fact, with his passing you know, he's the last of – he's literally the last of the Mohicans. He's the last of the Gaither boys who coached. And so that only leaves the great George Thompson, the equipment manager and and all-around uh, uh, right hand for uh, Coach Gaither, who's in his 90s now. So, you know, a lot of our legends have left, but Coach Lang is one – you know, that uh, his, 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 his impact is still being felt. And, you know, he'll live on in our hearts and minds, but he'll definitely be missed because like you said, that booming voice is just, I used to, when I first got here, and this is the last piece, when I first got here, you know, I, I attended practices, munging, kittles, laying, and i said do they did they recruit did they hire people because they had booming voices cuz you know they didn't have the you know the uh megaphones and all that but their voices could carry boy especially uh coach lang and he just had a way of getting the best out of everybody that he worked with and but he was a caring person under underneath that little gruff exterior that he would put up sometimes so and i think once people understood that he wanted to, wanted the best then they did as they said they did the rest of the work and that's why he was always successful because nobody wanted to let their daddy down
2: well said uh by 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 all of you um i'm going to read a post here uh rory shirack of the tallahassee democrats just recently posted this uh The family of FAMU Sports Hall of Fame coach, Bobby Lang, has confirmed a public memorial service honoring him that will take place Friday from 4 to 7 p.m. inside the Lawson Center. Uh, His funeral is a private gathering. It will be held on Saturday at Bethel Missionary Baptist Church in Tallahassee. A live stream of the service will air at 11 a.m. on TallahasseeVirtualMemorials.com. So, again, Rattler Nation, if you're in Tallahassee uh, and you have an opportunity, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, pay your respects at the public memorial service Friday, 4 to 7 p.m. inside the Lawson Center. Well, uh <clears throat> Alvin, thank you for coming in and joining us, helping us celebrate the life of Bobby Lang and there's so much more you can almost do a a whole show and a bunch of different guests and you know who knows we we may do that one day but uh I, I definitely would like to see us our athletic department be able to do something this spring at this upcoming track season uh in in recognition okay. and and maybe <clears throat> maybe it'll be something that might spur on a a, a reborn family relays you know i don't know so, well, we'll see. Uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Hey, Alvin, thank you for uh, coming in and joining us. As always, the great historian, MIAC, and Famu Hall of Famer, Alvin Hollands, always available when we call. And uh, we'll we'll talk recruiting here coming up soon, Alvin, because I know you're paying attention to it as well. So uh, <laughs> we will well, we'll get you in okay. here, get you in All here right. and talk about that. Let's uh, let's take a break. Come back on the other side. You're watching the ONG Strike Zone. We'll be back after these words.
1: It was a, a monumental game for a and Tampa. It was a monumental game. Somebody had to lose,
0: and thank God it was them this time. We knew it was going to be a battle. Look at Jake Aver's record. 202 and 36, I think. Some some
1: off-the-wall figures. And nobody would play him because they didn't want to take a chance of getting beat, but the truth of it is. Over 46,000 tickets. Blacks were sitting on in the east stands. The whites were sitting in the west stands. And the score wound up 34 uh,
2: 28.
3: The only thing we proved that uh, we weren't inferior, that we were not inferior, and we were not afraid. For one night, for
0: 160 minutes, we were better than them. It's
3: like a looting machine. i want you to get the vaccine because i want you to be safe i don't want you to be a patient i take care of you in the hospital that's what i'm scared of
1: i hug you yeah <laughs> <laughs> love you love you too
0: troy you work here i'm never not working like head and shoulder scalp shield technology up to 100% dandruff protection even between washes never not working Never not working. Never, ever not working. Head and shoulder scalp shield. Never not working.
2: From novice to aficionado, find yourself here. High quality cigars plus personal customer service. Slow Burn is Waco's only mobile cigar lounge. Featuring a meticulous curated collection of premium cigars. Visit our website, www.slowburnwaco.com. Com. That's www.slowburnwaco.com.
1: Uh, a gentleman wanted to
3: do the Black College Sports Network mm-hmm. in partnership with the HBCUs. Your ad could be ran here. MyJBN.com backslash support. MyJBN.com backslash support for more information.
2: Welcome back to the OMG Strike Zone. Brian Fulford, Kelvin Rosier, Kofi Hemingway. Thank you for watching us. You guys out there interacting with us on YouTube and Facebook. Uh, shout out to Marcus, J-Mag, Bobby Calhoun, uh, Edwin Moore, Steve Stephen Campbell. Let me see who else I see out there. Uh, Tamara T out there. up, um, uh, Maybe. <laughs> Mary 305, I know she's somewhere out there. Uh, Jeremiah Clark, uh, let me see. Who else do I see? Um, shout out to everybody there. Uh, even Scotty dropped in, dropped in, dropped a few, and then he's out. So uh, shout out to Scotty uh, for coming in. Um, yeah, thank you all for watching. Make sure to like, share. If you haven't already, uh, subscribe to the Jericho Broadcast Network's YouTube page there, MyJBN1, all of our shows on the Black College Sports Network uh, get pumped out via this page. Go download the Jericho Broadcast Network's app. You can find it on your Google or Apple Play Store, MyJBN, MyBCSN. Um, fellas, we talk, the season of awards for FAMU football continues to roll in, and now we have added a Buck Buchanan award winner to the list as predicted by us Isaiah Land from Buffalo New York the 64 junior what do we call him linebacker defensive end kind of hybrid there uh, <laughs> was was selected over the weekend. As the 2021 Stats Perform Buck Buchanan Award winner, uh, the 27th annual award goes to the top defensive player in FCS football. Uh, A 50 member national media panel selected Buchanan, uh, selected uh, the Buchanan winner from a group of 25 finalists. Land, of course, the redshirt junior, was first in the voting among linebackers, a young man from Montana State, and another one from Montana. Of course, Land had 25.5 tackles for loss for 147 yards in losses, 19 sacks and 121 sack yards for losses, which were all FCS leading totals during the season. Uh, that sack total, by the way, the second best individual sack season by a FAMU defensive player. Uh, the record still holds at 20. Um, so, you know, obviously it's a great year. Uh, he was the SWAC defensive player of the year. Finished with 43 tackles, 32 solos, six quarterback hurries, three pass breakups, three forced fumbles, and one fumble recovery. Um you know, what I find really interesting is that, and I, I don't know, I didn't say this on this show. I think I said it on another show. Uh, didn't actually come up with the number one or the most first place votes that actually he got out totaled 15 to 11 by uh, one of the other candidates. But in terms of total points, because they do a point system, for first, second, and third, I gotta imagine if Land wasn't first on your ballot, more than likely he was second, and so by virtue of that, he uh, goes on to uh, to win that award. And as you can see, very sharply dressed—I mean, well well suited up uh, for that award. And it's the second consecutive year that an HBCU player has uh, won that—a second straight SWAC recipient. Yes, that. Now with us being in the SWAC, I guess we got to say that too. Uh, Last year, Southern's Jordan Lewis won the award for uh, Southern in the spring season. So kind of went the script there, Uh, Kelvin. uh, Thoughts, any comments there, Kelvin and Kofi, regarding Isaiah Land? What's the future? What do you think the future looks like for Isaiah Land
3: going into next season?
2: Well, uh, Well, for uh, me,
3: I I think he has an opportunity to, again, uh, grace the All-America team. Uh, I say the sky's the limit as he prepares to make a run at the NFL draft. Um, I'm looking for him to get stronger and to get more explosive and faster. I'm looking for him to build on his techniques that he was able to establish issues. He's already proven himself to be an amazing uh, hard worker. And uh he's gonna be taking on more of a leadership role as this defense makes this transition uh from your Marquise Bell, um, you know, and your colliers, uh, who have gone on to uh bigger and better things, man. So I'm looking forward to seeing him make that transition and to, you know, just continue to build on where he started.
1: Yeah, um for me, yeah, for me, I, I think um First of all, I want to congratulate Isaiah for that, um, winning that award. And it's hard work paid off. And I always tell people, no matter what your endeavor is, if you put in the work, I've never seen hard work pay off, not pay off. There is. So um, I expect them to use him a little bit more um, diversely. Yeah. Next year, I, I expect some more diverse schemes. I figured they'll move him around a little bit because he is a hybrid. And um, the NFL probably going to want to see him do some different things, to, uh, and which only will make him more valuable. Um, if he has even half the season that he had this year, next year, and mm-hmm. we, we're, again, our dominant program and a dominant defense, um, absolutely he's going to be a draft pick. And to tell you how much people think of him and how much of a rally he is, uh, he he wasn't bashful about putting um out on social media the fact that Power Five schools were coming after him uh, through coaches, uh, uh, high school coaches and so forth and associates trying to get him to transfer to Power Five schools. I mean he has great frame. He's sits four. He's long. He's stronger than he is big, which allows him to actually go against uh, some of those big offensive tackles and. And then, of course, his athleticism and speed is uh, unmatched, which makes him a, a terrible matchup for that uh, for, for any offensive tackle. But uh, he's been he's been recruited, and he has uh, left no doubt that uh, he, he's he's a rattler, and he's glad to be a rattler, and he's looking forward to uh, the season coming up. And so. Um, Congratulations
2: again, and let's go. His uh, Twitter handle, by the way, at IsaiahLand716. That's I-S-A-I-A-H Land716. And he has that tweet that you just mentioned pinned to his profile uh, page from December 24th, which reads, Back in high school, all my dream schools looked right past me now. Now they calling desperately with a smiley, face emoji with tears out of it. Thank you, because there's no place I'd rather be than on the highest of seven hills, making black history, all caps, Rattler emoji. God truly works in mysterious ways, and those tables definitely always turn. So, uh, well said. It just just shows you that uh, commitment there. How about this, guys? Call me crazy, but as I was watching the national championship game over the weekend. And I saw the young man from Alabama wearing number 31. I, I'm just watching that guy just all over the field. It, it, it kind of reminded me of Isaiah. You know, I mean, I, I'm watching the stuff that, that that young man was doing, uh, you know, uh, 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 what, what's his name? Will Anderson Jr. And they're already touting him as one of the top players for next year. But I was watching Land and I'm thinking, you know, I don't know. You know, I, I know everyone has kind of said Land needs to put on about twenty pounds here and there, but, but I'm I'm looking and I'm like, wow. You know, uh, I, I I don't know. Maybe it was the number. Maybe it was just to be able to come off of the tackle as you're going for the quarterback. All of a sudden, then chase down a running back in the flat. I that just kind of caught me, and I was like, whoa. Uh, looks like a guy that we know. Uh, so. I thought we'd. Uh, I thought you know, just kind of my thoughts. Am, am I the only one there? Am I crazy? Tell me, I'm crazy on what I what, what I was seeing out there.
1: You crazy? Nah. No. All right. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it, it's not a bad analogy. I agree with you. Uh, the styles were similar, uh, and the productivity was there, and the frames are similar, so it's not out of the you know, it's not out of the rim. It's not a bad analogy.
2: All right. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you for humoring me on that one. Um, Other news regarding the FAMU football team uh, just recently announced the HBCU Legacy Bowl. Now, look, again, we talked about this last week as it went around to, um, as related to Marquise Bell, still not getting an invite from the Reese Senior Bowl. That's okay. He's going to the NFL PA collegiate bowl, uh, which also that's by the NFLPA. They they play in a Rose Bowl. I know we saw a, a Quill Glass get an invite to go to that. So that was big time for him, the Alabama AM quarterback. Uh, Marquise, did we talk about the fact that Marquise got invited to the actual NFL Scouting Combine in Indianapolis? So he will be showcasing his talents on the big stage amongst power fives, all the power five guys that everyone's uh, slobbering over. So uh, good for him. Um, But the HBCU legacy bowl, let's kind of talk about that for a second because our very own coach, coach Simmons got the word that he's been invited to, uh, to be one of the head coaches of this team and uh, kind of interesting the way they did this. Uh, Coach Coach Simmons and Coach Pugh will be uh, – well, so an offensive-defensive side. You've got Coach Simmons and Coach Gabe Giardino of Albany State. Coach Simmons has got the offense. Uh, Coach uh, Gabe has got the defense. For Team Robinson, I'm assuming that's Eddie Robinson. Team Gaither, though, Buddy Pugh is coaching the defense – Coach Damon Wilson of Bowie State is coaching the offense. And I don't know about you guys, but it shook me, and I'm like, wait a minute. How do you have the FAMU coach coaching, not coaching Team Gaither, which apparently the way they've broken the teams up, uh what what how did, how do they break the teams up? They have CIAA and MIAC for Team Gaither, S I C and SWAT. For Team Robinson, and I'm like, wait a minute, Coach Gaither coaching the SIC, he didn't have anything to do with the MIAC or the CIAA. What am I missing here, guys?
3: <clears throat> go ahead, Cove. <sighs> Speak on it. Nothing. On I mean, it. we could we could really, you know, we could go in on this, and obviously, it's an oversight from people that aren't normally around um hbcu sports but all we can do you know as rapplin nation has been known to do is to educate the people so <laughs> so on twitter you know and on our social media handles just let the people know or send an email you know let the people know hey you know if you're going to use a family guy, you have team gays just use common sense please thanks <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah it, it's that simple man um uh- I, I know they were trying to uh, since it was a they split it up by conferences. I, I I I get they was trying to have Coach Pew uh, um, from the MIAT with the Miatt side, and they they got the two biggest legends in black college football, Robinson and um, Coach Gaither. But come on, man, you can't have a family exactly. coach. And he not and coach team Gaither. That's just that's just what it is. What
2: well, you know, what it it makes you wonder was the fact that Robinson of the SWAC, did that was that so impress you know was that did that weigh more than Gaither with the SIC? You know what I'm saying? Or or the fact that you had a Famu coach? I mean, that's the only. I don't know. It's just one of those weird things. I mean, we'll make fun of it, but like you said. We we not go. We're not gonna beat them up too bad. It's just one of those things you're gonna look at and kind of just you just look at, and that's all right. Uh, speaking of the HBCU uh, Legacy Bowl, there are seven Rattlers confirmed that will be participating in this. Uh, we just added the seventh. I saw uh, that was uh, Savion Williams, uh, who will be joining uh, his teammates. Uh, Jalen Spadey, um, Spadey will be there, Derek, Mer- uh, Derek Mayweather will be there, Jay Jackson-Williams will be there, Keenan Forbes will be there, Bishop Bonnet and Xavier Smith. So by my count, that's seven, seven Rattlers that will be there. Uh, I don't, You know, it's a good crop of guys. Like, have you been paying attention to HBCU football over the past year or two? Uh, even amongst the Division Two CIAA SIC, uh, there's a good crop of players there uh, overall. So I, I think this is going to be a, a very interesting contest. Um, again, the dates on this are Saturday, February 19th uh, in New Orleans, 3 o'clock, Yeoman Stadium, um apparently you know uh, all all partnered with the with the Saints, the NFL, Hall of Fame, Black College Hall of Fame, all of those people are be a, will be a part of this uh and most importantly, what I think you're hoping to see is that you're hoping that guys actually get visibility uh because because I, I think that's what you want to see uh out of this um and, and then the fact that look with the with the advent of the USFL, Coming into fruition, you have the XFL, USFL starting up. What this spring, you have the XFL scheduled to start next year. Um, I, I think you're hoping that more opportunities pop up for for guys, and, and so that's what that's what we're hoping happens. Uh, of course, another big bit of news for FAMU football: we come in the uh, stats FCS rankings the final rankings of the year we come in ranked 25th in the final fcs stats poll uh i believe that other school who i'm not going to mention because some of y'all on on uh some of y'all on youtube want to make make jokes about this no 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 no
1: no, no, brian i'm I'm gonna give some meat on the bone right here those other co-champions
2: yes thank you the the other co-champions yes They happen to be ranked somewhere like 19 or 20, I think is what I read. Maybe 22. But anyway, two schools from the SWAT end up in the top 25. Now, we we know how these preseason roles, uh, preseason or postseason polls go lead to preseason polls. Where do you, Kofi, where do you think FAMU ends up going into preseason for next year? I mean, if you're one of those people out there that make a big fuss about polls, where do you think FAMU ends up preseason next year or in the fall?
3: Um, I'm not one that normally makes a big deal about polls, but I mean, we started, I believe we started the season ranked. Um, Did we not? No. Nope. No. Okay. AMT well, actually was the only HBCU ranked, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. So but I'm expecting pre-season. us to be between 22 and 25, 20 and 25 uh, to start out the season. And, um, You know there have been all kinds of teams throughout history. Uh, Even this year's Michigan team wasn't even ranked at the beginning of the year. They weren't. They were afterthought. Um, But they went on ahead and found themselves in the final four. So, you know this FAMU team is loaded. Um, You know we're gonna have to obviously earn our respect, but I'm fully expecting this team to end up. you know, if things really, really go right, we'll end up top 10. Mm, all right. Go ahead, Calvin. So, uh,
1: let, let, yeah, let me jump in real quick. First, let me congrat- congratulate Jackson State, uh, our, our swag brotherin So some swag love here because they also are ranked in both polls. Uh, Man, fuck Jackson State. We're, we're ranked in both polls. Uh <laughs> Man, bump! Um, awesome. Stop mentioning
3: them. The the, the but, crazy. But, but, never mind. But, These but, people but crazy, they, man. Then it made um, me mad. Now nah, I don't even want to talk about Jackson <laughs> State. <laughs>
1: Let me finish my thought, man. So so they will right. also. You trying
3: um, to be nice, man? Bump Jackson State, and I want to say something else, but bump <laughs> Jackson State.
1: Now, with that being said, uh I think both teams will be ranked going into our uh, Orange Blossom Classic matchup. Um. At the beginning of the season, and I'm going to predict right now the loser of that game will go to the FCS playoffs because of that. Uh, we have less ground to cover. I think both teams will be stellar. I think both teams, as well as, and I know we're going to get into recruiting a little bit shortly, but I think both teams are are, are filling voids and needs pretty well. So, um, along with other SWAT schools, uh, I have to say I, I'm very proud. Right now, what's happening with HBC HBCU football recruiting? Right now, it, you know, iron sharpens iron, so we got to keep that up. But uh, but both teams will be ranked. I think the loser uh, will go to will go to the FCS playoffs, and the winner, of course, will go to the Celebration Bowl. I'm calling it right now, but it's not a guarantee because there will be some other teams in the East that will have something to say about that.
2: Well said. Uh, Before we take that break, I got to get one more mention in here while we're on the FAMU football accolades. I don't think we mentioned or gave props to the new Black College Football Hall of Fame class of 2022, which actually features Florida A&M's Nate Newton. Nate is one of five players, uh, one coach and one contributor that are part of the class of 2022. Uh, of course, uh, Nate uh, became well-known as part of that Dallas Cowboys offensive line unit, but he actually started as a defensive lineman. Uh, we learned that uh, through, when we were going through the MEAC 50 with Alvin, uh, learned that he was actually a defensive lineman and then got turned over to an offensive lineman, I believe his last year. Uh, because he became an all meac Conference tackle in uh, in well I, in, in somewhere about in 1980, uh, he was at FAMU from 79 to 82. Actually, after his first year, he started as a defensive lineman. Then he flipped over to offensive line uh, that second year. He uh, had a stint with uh, Washington in '83. Went to the USFL with the Tampa Bay Bandits from '84 to '85. Then joined the Cowboys in '86. Uh, he was there for the lean years, for the Landry years at the end of them, and then with uh, Jimmy Johnson, he became a six-time Pro Bowler and a two-time All-Pro. Uh, ended his career with the Carolina Panthers in '99. So, congratulations to Big Nate. Uh, one of these days, we we gotta we gotta work on getting uh, Nate Newton. Of course, we had a streak. We had uh, Greg Coleman on, who was part of the class of 2021. So, uh, maybe we'll kind of shoot for homecoming uh, in October and see if we can get Big Nate on and kind of keep the street going from there. I have no idea what you're, what, I'm not even going to ask Kofi. Let's take a my break.
1: Ding-a-ling, my dingling, my <laughs> dingling. <laughs> on
2: that, let's take a break. Yes, let's take a break. All right, we'll be back. We got some recruiting news and updates to talk about. Woo! You watching the ONG strike zone. We'll be back in just a moment.
3: <laughs> Whether it's advice on managing your anxiety or tools to help you stay grounded, Coping 19 provides a range of resources and self-care tips to help you cope with this pandemic. We can help. Find the resources that work best for you at coping-19.org.
2: Charmin Ultra Soft has so much cushiony softness, it's hard for your family to remember. They can use less.
1: Sweet pillars of softness.
2: This is soft. Holy Charmin. Oh, excuse me. Roll it back, everybody. Sorry. Charmin Ultra Soft is so cushiony soft, you'll want more. But it's so absorbent, you can use less. So it's always worth it. Now, what did we
1: learn about using
2: less? You gotta roll it back, everybody. If <laughs> We all go. Why not enjoy the go with Charmin? There's a shot. shot. No, that might be. be. It, it could be. Could be. Right field, grand slam! slam. Yeah. What a shot! That's how you get hot, young fella. Thank you, guys, for what you do for HBCU right This is a fantastic avenue for, for, for all of us. This is our ESPN, so we, we 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 love what you guys do. All you guys at
1: BCSN, we really appreciate what it is you guys you guys do for us.
2: Let's get back to getting ticks instead of watching flicks. Before we can safely get out there, we need the facts on COVID-19 vaccines. Visit GetVaccineAnswers.org so you can make an informed decision for yourself and for your crew.
1: You see Head & Shoulders has a scalp shield technology. Protects against flakes, even between washes. It's never not working. Kind of like us. Number 15? Never not working. I don't like this one. Me neither. Let's get out of here. Head & Shoulders Scalp Shield. Never not working.
2: Follow the Black College Sports Network on social media at MyBCSN1, the number one, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at MyBCSN1. Welcome back to the ONG Strike Zone, Brian Kelvin Kofi. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being a part of this program as we move forward into talking a little bit about the recruiting trail. It's hot and heavy right now. The Rattlers are making some big news. Uh, I, I, you know, it's interesting the philosophy that some programs are taking right now, what you see out there. For example, I see Alabama A&M. And you see them building defensively. You see uh, that other school uh, with a lot of flash and a lot of skill position guys. Uh, FAMU has kind of been focused in on the interior with offense and defensive moves. Very few skill guys. uh, But we did get a couple of committed guys that are coming into the, uh, uh, the hill. One of those names actually happens to be uh, a Tallahassee native, uh, played right at Rickards High School, a young man, Destin Coates, who a 5'11", running back, about just under 200 pounds. Uh, He's got one year left of eligibility, Uh, was recruited, went to uh, Georgia. Uh, Originally, he was uh, recruited by uh, Purdue but ended up going to Georgia State, was a three-star coming out of Rickards. And uh, those were, uh, you're up in that area, uh, Kelvin and, and, you know, Rickards, those Rickards teams that he was a part of, I believe that would have been, let's see, he was class of 2018, so that would have been uh, 2016, 2017. Those were some some strong Rickards teams. And, uh, you know, I think uh, he had a little injury his senior year, which kind of a few people – that when the Power Five programs kind of walked away from. But he actually um, was one of the top rushers for Georgia State. So, you know, when his recruiting opened up sometime about late October, uh, Coach Simmons was one of the first people or one of the people that reached out to him. And, of course, when he graduated 2018, that was right about the time uh, Coach Simmons was coming on. The staff, but uh, they, they, FAMU did recruit him uh, originally, but you know, for whatever reason, uh, he ended up going to uh, Georgia State. And uh, all, all I can say is that this young man's been productive at, at Georgia State. I mean, he was, a, I believe he was a Doak Walker uh, candidate going into this season coming out of Georgia State. So uh, I had a great conversation with uh with a former coach one of your former mentees Kofi uh coach Devin uh wrist press, uh coach Riz. and uh he he's got a good 7 on 7 program and, and you know he was a he was definitely a part of uh Destin's journey to Georgia State uh very much involved in in helping to get him to FAMU uh and I had a great conversation with coach some of the things that he tells me about Destin Coach, if you've never seen Destin Coach, just go do a Google search. D- d- just cut the cut the highlight film on, and I'm telling you, you're going to be salivating and be like, whoa, the backfield, we, we needed a replacement for Bishop Bonnet. Uh, there you go. It, 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 it just came, and it's a hometown guy. Uh, coach calls him a complete running back, has the size, speed, footwork, can catch out of the backfield. Um one of those high motor energy guys, as he likes to call him, and so uh, loves to play. Has uh, plays with passion and toughness, and so when we think about that running back room, how much better it got, Kelvin? Are, are, are you excited about what Destin brings to that uh, to the Tote Gang, as we like to call them?
1: Absolutely. I I got a chance to watch him a few games in high school. You know, he competed against some of the guys um, on 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 our current team, too. Uh, you know, those rickers Goby games were classic. Um, you know, Rickers-Lincoln, you know, Rickers has been one of the – always been a talented program with a lot of talented, But, uh, you know, over the last five, six years, they've also been a consistent winner um so uh you know he's played against with and against great talent you're right uh early on in his career at georgia state uh he uh got playing time he he was very productive uh he he, he he he's not super big but he runs bigger than what he is right he's hard to tackle one man don't bring him down he doesn't fall backwards uh, he does have the speed to go the distance. Um, a, 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 as you say, he is a complete back. And we already got um, two um, co-starters um, coming back in and McLeod and, and, um, and Jennings. And each, again, each, all three backs are different type of backs. Uh, and then uh, we also got some younger backs who are going to have something to say about uh, this rotation too. So um, I'm extremely pleased with our um, depth at the running back position. Um, I, I think we we got uh, FCS and FBS talent all the way, probably five deep at that position. Kofi,
2: what are your thoughts on uh, Destin and just what that running back room is going to look like these, uh, next year in the
3: fall? Well, the running back group was already solid. Let me be clear. Um, You know, I know a lot of people are looking on Twitter and looking at a lot of the recruits that uh, other schools and just our schools are bringing in, but our running back room was all ready stacked, as Kelvin just stated. You got Terrell Jennings, you got McLeod, you've got um, DeAndre Francis. bro so you're adding this yeah, guy Eddie oh Eddie Tillman you you got um uh the guy Coach, that's coming in but uh a name that a lot of people are probably not familiar with but you're going to be familiar with is Leland Wilhoyt from Tennessee this kid is gave our uh I want to say the 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 defense fits on the Scout team and our defense is world class was world-class last year. So if this guy is giving the first-team defense fits, trust and know he's going to give the SWAC defenses a lot of fits. And a lot of people are just going to be looking because they're going to be looking for all of the quote-unquote big names. But Leland Wilhoy, you got Coach, you got Jennings, you got – Bro, I'm looking for creativity to abound with our offense this year. Uh, I want to see multiple form... – let me be quiet. But I want to see – <laughs> um, I don't want to get too much away, but, um, yeah, the the running back room is stacked. I'll put it like that.
2: Um, you can see that graphic there through January 8th, uh, those HBCU rankings. I'm not really sure who, who that is that's putting that ranking list together, or maybe that's just a general what, list. They're going about the example. number
3: of four stars and three stars talking about the number of, um, four-star players that the recruiting class has, number three stars that the recruiting has, et cetera, et cetera. So that's what they're looking at. Okay. But let me so, just say this. Go ahead. Um, Jackson State had autumn. I ain't I ain't talking about them. But South Carolina State's class wasn't even mentioned, really. You know, but Buddy Pugh has been doing a great job of recruiting um, people that fit his system and do what they're supposed to do, you know, and they coach him up and develop that talent. For the record, I don't hear anything about North Dakota State's recruiting classes. I don't recall hearing anything about James Madison's recruiting classes. Um, Back in the day, I didn't recall hearing anything about uh, Jim Pressel's recruiting classes. The deal is. When you get these players into your system, can you motivate them? Can you develop yep. this talent? Can you put them out there in uh, places where they're going to be productive? Um, for years, Florida State University under Bobby Bowden would have the number one recruiting class in the country, and they would play the University of Miami, who was never ranked recruitment-wise. Never. But you am year in and year out wide right wide left whatever would kick florida state to sleep 31 zip i think uh dion's senior year uh in the orange bowl you know the year that they came out with their rap record and all that other stuff and went down there and got kicked to asleep so <laughs> shut out
1: 31 zip
3: 31 zip you know yeah it's stars stars belong in hollywood Well, you know,
1: it's
2: interesting.
3: Go ahead. Go ahead, Kevin.
1: No, no, I'm not going to say that. I'm not saying stars don't matter, but they don't determine success all the way. Uh, If you look at uh, the FBS level, generally speaking, uh, the teams that have the best players tend to be ranked every year and and playing for championships. Uh, Same thing with the pros. So having talent is is a requirement. I, I'm not gonna say it means nothing, but that star system is not consistent. It's say, flawed all the time.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah so it,
1: it, it's it it's flawed. They're flawed. It doesn't it. necessarily. It don't always equate the the talent. Let's put it that way. Right. Sometimes it's hype, but 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 it does yeah. have some value. And, and and the only thing I would say since you got the graphic up is if you look at the Swag East. Um, and 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 the transfer portal impact and so forth obviously um you know you got three of the top four uh in the swag East there and you know it, it's, it's going to be that way uh for a while
2: well you what what i think you'll find out is when people start making predictions in the swag East, You'll find out what media members or whoever that cabal of uh SWAC voters are that predicts things. Uh you'll know how much they pay attention to stars when the uh recruit w- when the predictions come out. Because if you're gonna tell me Alabama AM, who just lost their all all everything quarterback, uh, is now going to be number one or two in the SWAC East because they got a bunch of star guys over Florida and M, then then okay, you you said everything I need to see and fine. You go ahead and put us third and that and then we'll okay. okay. Because we all know who they're gonna say number one is. So let's not even let's not even fake the fault. Let's not even be mad. Don't be mad when you see in August who that cabal of voters rank number one in the SWAC East. You know who it's gonna be. Great. Okay. The defending the, def- gonna- the defending um
1: co H B C U champion.
2: Yes, exactly, and so, exactly, so, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we're we just going to look and see where they put us. Hey, look, here's another name. Let me give you, now, Kofi, you're in Jacksonville, so you ought to know this young man. Another name that's coming, already enrolled in Tallahassee, Eric 20 Horn. Now, that's right, I said Eric, that's A-R-I-C 20 Horn. That's what he likes to be known as, from Jacksonville went to Reigns high school. He is also part of the class of 28. Now he's a linebacker, six, one 210 uh, This is one of those areas that I think we all agreed. We're, we're hoping gets improved or we see some improvement in the linebacking group. He has three years of eligibility remaining. Now again, Destin Coates only has one year of eligibility left. Uh, Horn has three years. He's an Iowa state Transfer. Uh, Coach Riz, uh, he was a part of uh, Reigns' uh, two-state championships at Reigns High School. He was a first-team All-State player. Uh, Passion, excitement. Coach Riz tells me he is a big-time hitter. Uh, He is guaranteed that there will be a few oohs and ahs with some of the hits from Eric Horn this year. Kofi, what do you recall about those Reigns teams from – 2016, 2017, when uh, Eric was there?
3: Very good. (laughs) Very good, bro. Like, Reigns, year in and year out, is always, they're always athletic, but Reigns kids are very well coached. Um, In addition to that, um, like the Miami programs, they have a ton of tradition and they play a good brand of football in Jacksonville. Um, and they always have. So um, when you're able to come out of that Jacksonville region um, pretty much unscathed, um, you're gonna you're gonna compete well within you know within the playoffs. So to, in order to just get a starting spot and play at all, you've gotta be good. Um, and this young man is good. He earned a division and I want to say FBS uh, scholarship at Iowa State. He can move, and he likes to hit people, Um, and that's good. You you need to be able to have um, some measure of uh, athleticism, and this kid has it. So, again, it looks like we're just building depth uh, and competition at the linebacker ranking, so it's going to be good.
2: Yeah. Um looking at the uh, you know, obviously in the linebacking core, uh we lost Fagan, uh Nadarius Fagan, um Elry Allen, who was the backup middle linebacker. Then we we lost uh Mayweather, we lost Demetrius Powell. So those were those were key contributors. uh of course, Land is still listed as sort of that uh that hybrid linebacker outside line or uh, defensive line position there, but uh, pretty much, you know, I got to think Horn's going to gonna compete for one of those spots. Um, good friend of the program, Marcus Green, put together some good information. I know a lot of people were just asking about uh, the quarterback position, so on and so forth. Right now, the, let's just kind of go through the list of what the offensive positions look like. So this is more offensive related here. Um, we'll, we'll talk about defense next week. I, I, I think, uh, re- obviously we've got five returning quarterbacks coming back. You've got Rashawn McKay, Junior Maritovic, Cameron Sapp, LeSean Howard, and Ja'Cory Jordan. Um, and then of course you've got one newcomer, uh, coming in, in, uh, uh Musa, who's a transfer from Vanderbilt. And so, with, with, with that, it, it makes for an interesting spring. I, I think that's what's going to be juicy: is the spring, because you're going to look and say, you know, is, is McKay going to continue to show the leadership that we've seen? Uh, is is I, I think the biggest of of that entire group, guys. For me personally, SAP is the biggest question mark of that group. Who who's the biggest? quarterback question mark for you guys uh kofi and then kelvin who's the biggest quarterback question for you sap okay sap as well for uh
1: let me just say let me just say uh rashawn is, is 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 the guy right the only thing is how much better he gets but his leadership and um his ability to lead 18, um, you know, that all oh, that's the bed now, you know. Uh, You're you just going to have to beat them out. Now, not a question of mine, the biggest edge factor, and I, I'm projecting here a little bit uh, because you don't know what freshmen, um, how, how much growth they have from the their redshirt year to their non-redshirt year in spring. But I will say that I believe Talent-wise, the upside is with uh, Junior and Jackson. J'Corey, uh, sorry. Um, on the two freshmen, the true freshmen, uh, potentially. Now, how, how, how have they been working? Are they learning the playbook? Are they getting bigger, faster, stronger? Are they hungry, ready to compete? I don't know. Um, so this is a projection. This is all on talent. But I am projecting one, if not both, of those guys, per possibly, um, passing. Um, SAP. You got to make it happen yeah. this year. Or is it noble? Uh, it's gonna be very, very
3: difficult. Um, SAP had opportunities this year. Um, uh, for the most part, he did okay. Uh, you know, I think his best game was against UAPB running the football, but. He had opportunities, uh, even the first game with Jackson State, we had a third down and two. They fumbled the ball <laughs> with Jennings that gave Jackson State the ball on the 50-yard line, even though Jay State didn't score. You know, we pick up that third down and two, and I think that we probably have an opportunity to at least be in field goal position. You know, and that, the, the fumble was not caused by anything that Jackson State did. Um, it was just a – Outright fumble, man. It was just a fumble for no reason. So stuff like that causes coaches to lose faith in your ability. Um, But for the most part, he had a solid year. I think he fumbled the ball again in the Mississippi Valley game. Um, You know, that was an opportunity for us to maybe go up 24-zip, maybe even 31-zip if we don't turn the ball over and don't do stupid stuff. Um, you know, but that's that. So, Uh, yeah, Sapp's going to have to really, really play out of his mind. I won't say out of his mind, but he's got his game definitely has to step up. McKay's not going anywhere. Moose is going to be there and they're probably going to bring somebody else in to compete. So, you know, they're not going to leave anything to chance. So he's going to have to play out of his mind. If not, I look for them to probably switch his position. Do, I, that's what I was going to go. I was going to say, do, do you, do
2: you foresee by the end of the spring SAP either switch position or look to for opportunities elsewhere? I mean, I don't, I don't know what his graduation status is at the end of the spring, but uh, you know, I don't know if that's an, if that's something that might happen, but you kind of hinted at that. Um, any, any thoughts there on SAP Kelvin before we move forward?
1: I, no, I don't want to project, man. You know, we'll we'll we we'll let screen go and and see we we'll see what happens, you know. Fam, you is a tough right. place to leave, man. If you're happy and you, you know, your academic is good and and uh you know you got relationships and so forth, man, you know. So we'll, we'll just guys. have to see. We'll just have to see how it plays out.
2: Uh we already talked about the running backs and the running back room and depth there with that group with the addition of coach. Let's move over to wide receiver. One of those positions that um, you know, as Marcus was putting this info together, he kind of felt like it's not a it's not a real position of need. I mean, we, yes, we do lose Chad Hunter and Xavier Smith uh to all American well, at least an all-American performer and Smith. Uh Chad Hunter was very well on his pace uh before he got hurt in 2019 to being a, an all-American uh, that's a thousand yards touchdowns that are gone from those two but I think we've seen some of the young guys step up and, and then uh, I think Jamari Jamari Sharrod uh really becomes sort of that that new breakout guy and then we've got David manigo there so we've seen the performance performance is from manigo Sherrod. we've seen uh Hawkins Hawkins Jermaine- Yep. Uh, I I think we've seen Sanders and Oxendine Oxendine. also. I I think the receiving core is pretty good. Anything (laughs) you guys want to add about the receiving core, anything that you'd like to see regarding the receiving core?
3: Yeah. Well, I think that, that, uh, that, you um, know, Coach, you know, they're always looking to add talent. I think if we add a, uh, a faster, more explosive guy, that's going to help to open things up um, on that side, man. I think it's, it's uh, you know, you need a game changer. You're always looking for game changers. And they're out there in the portal. And there's opportunities that's out there, man. So I'm looking for, you know, I'm looking for a splash here or there, a nice little sprinkle on top of this uh, receiving core. And I think it's going to really cause life to be a whole lot easier for our QBs. Go ahead, Calvin. I,
2: yeah, I
1: do have a little insight on that. Uh, expect to see a big receiver, 6'3", um, 6'5", type. I know th- they will be bringing in a, uh, a big receiver. And um, as Kofi uh, said, if there's a speedster out there, I think those are the two things that will make this uh, core complete.
3: Cause okay. I want to say that we use our tight ends quite often. And even the young man that we brought in from Colorado state also is coming back. So yes. Yes. Listen, uh, bam, you is loaded, bro. It's a loaded squad. And we let's come talk about that group. Let's talk
2: about that tight end group for a second. Uh, since you brought them up, I, I, I kind of agree with Marcus's analysis here. Uh, He says tight end was one of the most underutilized yet efficient positions from last year, yielding five touchdowns and only 13 catches between Dixon, uh, Nicholas Dixon and uh, Kamari young. I think we didn't see enough of uh, uh, Jeremiah Pruitt, who that you just mentioned Pruitt is like six, five. I think going into next year, I think that could be the breakout guy. Uh, of the tight end group, if we decide to use him more, uh, is Jeremiah Pruitt. But but I think we're we've, we've got a good group in the tight end and the tight end room. Uh, what what would you add to that, Kofi?
3: Oh, I mean, you you hit the nail on the head. But I mean, even the opening touchdown that we had against Alabama State um, was a throw to a tight end. Um, they're big body guys that create mi- um, mismatches. Uh, against linebackers and in that secondary these guys are not slow they're fast and you you throw uh my man in there with all that height that's going to be a severe mismatch for somebody because you gotta cover you know if you don't cover jamari Shereed, if you're not double covering him he's in single coverage uh then you've got uh manigo in single coverage you know it's it's gonna open things up and you gotta respect the run game. Uh, calvin what would
2: you add uh
1: nothing much I mean, we've got everybody coming back at the tight end position we go four deep there um and we, they were underutilized and we probably need to fletch them out particularly and go uh short yardage and and um red zone we need to target them a little more
2: all right. Let, I'll finish up the convo here just uh, to let people know the offensive line group. Uh, we have six departures uh, from this group. Uh, Brian Crawford, Jalen Spady, J. Jackson Williams, Michael Arnold, Keenan Ford, and Jalen Brayboy. <clears throat> but we have 11 returners for offensive linemen. And then we've got five newcomers, um, We've got uh, Jalen Goss, who's a transfer from Florida State. Um, then we've got uh, a couple of guys, one, three guys, a few guys actually coming from off the junior college route. We kind of talked about them last week uh, in, in or during the uh, early signing period. I think that was one of the areas that those guys got in, which is good to see. You know, it's good to see offensive line takes the most work, I think. And so to see those guys come in hopefully and get started uh it, it'll be interesting to to see what uh coach stan stan does with that offensive line group uh we, we have a we have some good running backs and so if we can continue to be strong in the trenches uh i, I think that fares well for for this uh for this rattler for this rattler squad Uh, final thought on the recruiting here, uh, Kelvin, uh, I know if you, you know, uh, Marcus put a list of some players to watch guys on the hot seat, uh, including our offensive coordinator. (laughs) I love that. Uh, what what are your final thoughts on the offensive side of the ball from what we've seen in the recruiting and the depth chart thus far?
1: What we're looking to do is improve from, and get more production than what we had last year. We had a pretty consistent run game. We kind of had a m- hit and miss in terms of pass protection. Our our continuity was okay. You know, on the offensive line, we, you know, the same people pretty much started most of the games. Um, I think we're looking to upgrade. Uh, the, the talent and the con- and, and the execution at the point of attack, um, because we'll be playing against uh, a lot of teams that have great skill and 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 and, and uh, linebackers, safety, corners. You know, in the swag, there's a lot of man-to-man defense going on, so you have to be able to get off jams, and um, you have you have some some good speed and so forth. Uh, so, you know, linemen need to have good feet when they blitz. And then, and, you know, I, we got to show up some of our pass protection schemes, but, um, I think we have a lot to work with, a lot of experience. The only area that we don't have experience in spades, uh, going into the spring will be the line, and which is why the coaches, I think, went and got the, uh, transfers and so forth and the Juco's uh, and, and we got to see that unit, how that unit comes together. That's going to be a key to our offensive system this year. I know they want to do more things um, offensively, be a little more diverse and unpredictable um, and, and, and get some of that skill on the outside and open spaces and able to do things with the ball to complement that strong running game. So uh, we just have to, I think they've done a real good addressing, good good job, the coaches, of addressing needs thus far in their recruiting cycle. They need to complete that, and we'll see what we had on February uh, 3rd with that and going into the season. We start the season off with uh, University of North Carolina, FBS school, who will probably be ranked. Uh, we, had a, we have a top ten recruiting class in the FBS, and then Jackson State. So we're gonna have to start off red in shock. Um, we're gonna so so the spring is really important for us. Uh, with that kind of start, I don't see too many people coming in in August being able to help us. <laughs> so the spring is spring is key. And the good thing is those offensive linemen, those guys, guys we we have right now are signed. Uh, I think only one or two of them are commits. The rest of them are already signed and uh, are here already and will go through the spring with the, the current players coming back. So I'm opt- I'm very right. optimistic.
2: Kofi, uh, what, what's, your, what's your take on some of the uh, players to watch, the recruiting uh, trail, guys on the hot seat, wherever you want to go with the offensive side of the ball here?
3: Well, I mean, obviously the quarterback competition is going to be key going in there but you know i think just really the whole offense and the continuity of it all um to see how they're able to build off what we were able to accomplish especially at the end of the year last year um it's an opportunity again for growth uh consistency and uh you know to add a few new wrinkles into what we're already doing uh, which is which is something that you always want to do. But uh, let's say uh, I, I, I'm going to keep more of an eye on the QB because we've got new people coming in. So seeing how they distribute the ball, arm strength, all of that stuff is what's going to really um, – really going to push the bar man. So I'm looking forward to this spray. Our wide receiver core, our offensive line, our running backs, tight ends, all of that stuff matters. So I'm looking forward to it.
2: Um got to give a shout out to um to uh to to to, to Marcus uh for again excellent uh work in, in in and of course, I mean, we call him our our recruiting uh, insider, or recruiting guru, or recruiting enthusiast—I don't. Even, I, it changes every week. I, I come up, but I mean Marcus Green does a great job of of helping put together a lot of this depth chart information. Uh, he follows it. Uh, you you tell me, you show me somebody that follows it and tracks it better, and I won't believe it. Uh, just put it like that. So at Decatur underscore G, follow him. Uh, you know, every now and then he might keep you informed of what's going on on the recruiting trail he always he keeps us up to date and i know he'll be working on uh the defensive side we'll be talking about the defensive side of the ball on next week's show i know that's something he'll be putting together and uh we are working and putting things in process in place for our recruiting show that we'll be talking about in february uh so so that's in the works we're talking about that now so that uh that is ready and yes you mentioned it earlier, Kelvin, there will be some recruits coming to town, including the number one running back, uh, Richard Young, class of 2023, number one running back, number 12 overall on the ESPN, 300 for the 2023 class from out of Lehigh Acres, Florida. I have no idea where that is, uh, but uh, it, it's in Florida, right? So uh, when you get That's on Deion's campus – That's Deion's hometown, okay, Southwest so, Florida. Look, Southwest Florida. So we got to make sure that when when he comes to town that he knows. And so Rattler Nation, uh, whatever there's an event, especially those basketball games that are coming up in uh, January, let's show up and show out. Let's let these recruits know – that there is no other place that you want to go. You can go in the swamp lands of Mississippi and be stuck if you want, but you need to come on over to the highest of seven hills and get some sunshine on your life in Tallahassee. So that's that's our message to you. Hey, uh, thank you for watching this show. Hey, we are always looking for contributors, uh, maybe even interns. Uh, if you want to help be a part of what we're doing, uh, we, we definitely are looking for some help, looking for some people that want to be a part of what we are building, send us your information, ONG at gmail.com and uh be a part and uh find out how you can be a part of the ONG strike zone in twenty twenty two as we continue to grow and get bigger and better. Uh any a quick update who are who are basketball teams playing this upcoming weekend guys? Uh, Kelvin, you got that you got it or
1: any you got it handy? Uh UAPB I know Saturday.
2: Okay. Big doubleheader UAPB, especially on the women's side. That's Saturday. And then uh I would assume the Monday is probably Mississippi Valley State. Is I mean, that uh, who that is? I don't know. They usually run it in pairs, if not. Yeah. It all it all depends on who they run it. Um but uh, we'll, we'll keep you informed. Make sure you're following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at ONG Strike Zone. Again, make sure to share, like, and subscribe. Find our podcast on the BCSN Pod Zone, and uh, that's going to do it for this show. Thanks again to special guest Alvin Holland. Again, one final time, if uh, you are interested, uh, you can go be you can go pay your respects to. Um, Uh, You you can go to the public memorial service on Friday from 4 to 7 p.m. inside the Lawson Center for FAMU Sports Hall of Fame coach Bobby Lang. That's where that public memorial will take place. The funeral will be on Saturday, and you can watch the live stream of the service on TallahasseeVirtualMemorials.com. So uh, we thank Alvin Hollins for helping us in that segment in the first hour to celebrate the life of Bobby Lang, A few stories. We hope you guys enjoyed it. That's going to do it for this show. We appreciate you guys for watching and interacting with us. For Kofi Hemingway, Kelvin Rozier, uh, our producer, AD Drew. I'm Brian Fulford. Rattler Nation, you guys be good out there. Stay safe and strike, strike, and strike again. Peace out. Study. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.